Hello, everyone, and welcome to Note to Scene, a music news podcast covering everything from pop punk to metalcore. I'm Matt Crane. I'm Tyler Sharp. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen, where every week we discuss and debate all the biggest news stories in the music scene. Find more episodes of this show on Apple Podcasts, where you should please rate and review us. Email us at notescene at gmail.com. We have so much to talk about this week. Big news from Asking Alexandria and The Used. But first, we're going to talk about Brand New, who look to be breaking up, depending on who you believe. All right, let's go. What is uh, Post Malone doing hanging out with Knocked Loose, Tyler Sharp? Dude, what isn't he doing hanging out with Knocked Loose? Shouts to my man. Shouts to my man, dude. He fucks with OG Stray from the Path, and he's hanging out with Knocked Loose. It doesn't get any cooler than that. I mean, this is kind of like the first time we've seen Post back this small of a band absolutely and so uh i had um i had mentioned this offhand to tyler the other night uh that uh, i was like oh dude did you see a uh, post malone hang with knock loose and tyler lost his shit and he was like <laughs> he hadn't seen it and he was like how did you not tell me this and uh i had never heard tyler more like boyishly childish child child like excited than i did when he found out about post malone and knock loose i was straight up offended man (laughs) you gotta be feeding me this info (laughs) yeah man i just i thought you would have saw it no i missed it i don't know how i I guess i can't assume a shit like that you know right right. you gotta send it for sure so the the video is Post and Brian and Isaac from Knocked Loose hanging out in Post Bus uh, while he was rolling through Nashville, which Knocked Loose is from Oldham County, which is right outside of Nashville, Kentucky. So I guess Post just invited him on over because Knocked aren't on tour right now. So I guess just said, come on over and hang out, which is sick. And plus, they're jamming to Damien by Straight From The Path, which was like their first notable full-length mm-hmm. album in 2009, which I have so many memories skating around of that album. Damien, Negative and Violent, that album rips. Don't pay attention to anything Straight From The Path has done since 2013, but <laughs> go back and jam that first album, Rising Sun and Anonymous. And it's very, just so very, cool to see Post interacting with the scene. Very cool Post because he has been catapulted to a level a level of celebrities that a lot of other rappers haven't yet. Right. And, you know, he's still, like, truly... You know, he, like you said, he auditioned for Crown the Empire. He's worn sworn in shirts, blah, blah, blah. Like, he just... He's still repping, you know? He like, rides. he's still... He's keeping his roots in the scene in which he came from, which he was a scene kid, you know? He for played sure. in a, a metalcore band when he was younger. Ashley's Arrival. Google it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, cop that shit. Uh, right. Did you hear they played a grayscale Let It Rain on Monday Night Football? No, I didn't hear that. Yeah, that was Dude. a pretty... Pretty cool moment. Were you watching? I bet you were stoked. I was, yeah. I, I was pretty stoked to hear it. I was like, I, I, I didn't know what it was at first, but I was like, what? Dude, When sometimes when those commercial bits happen, those transitions, yeah. and I know I know the song, but I can't mm-hmm. nail it right away, it bugs the crap out of me. I usually just look it up on Twitter of what I think it is, and I can find it. Yeah. 
I wonder what the licensing deal is. I wonder what kind of cut the band. Like, I wonder what kind of royalty the bands get for that, or if it's they don't even get a royalty. I don't you know, even, like they don't they they don't even pay like Gaga to play the Super Bowl because it's such an opportunity. Right. Exactly. You know, like I wonder if they even pay these bands. I you know, it's like you're doubt. lucky. Yeah, I highly doubt they're getting paid. I just think it's some fan, some intern that's working at right. It's like you're lucky to be played on literally the highest rated, rated the highest rated show on television, the most watched show. You should be uh, happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get into listener questions this week. Our first question comes in from listener Kyle G, who writes into notecine@gmail.com. Kyle says, "Hey, my name is Kyle, and I'm from Kentucky. On the podcast, you mostly talk about bigger bands." What is a smaller band you really like and you don't get a chance to talk about on the show? Um, hey, man, I only like bigger bands, you know. Um, but when I when I am taking a break from listening to Sam Hunt, I do occasionally. Oh my God. I do occasionally find some small bands to uh, to dig into. But uh, this is a good question. And listeners, like, um, even if you don't have a question, just always write us in, you know, to Gmail or tweet us with smaller bands you think we should be talking about because it's a good way for us to take the pulse because, you know, we only have an hour a week to do this and, and we can only hit, you know, so many bands. And yeah, so if as long as you guys are sending us in emails of, hey, talk about this band or tweeting us, hey, check out this band, that helps a lot. And we appreciate it. Definitely. Appreciate it. But to answer Kyle's question, for me, um, a lot of smaller bands I've been listening to lately would be like Boston Manor, Have Mercy, Grayscale, and Will Away. Basically, like the intersection of pop punk and email. I like that stuff. Um, and now, now especially, which is more of like an emo pop vibey thing that's going on with a really great female vocalist. Those are kind of some of those smaller bands I'm into. Um, I think we're kind of sleeping on Have Mercy, Tyler. Like, I nah. think they might be good at music. Nah. I think I think we're sleeping on them, man. I think there, there, there's something there. I am going to still say no to Have Mercy. But to answer Kyle's question here, I'm going to do a shameless past client plug band, two bands that I've worked with just this year. Uh, one's called Household and the other called, is called Little Image. Household is this fantastic band that's got a ton of hype in their little bubble right now. And they have some pretty big things to announce in, uh, in the coming months and going into uh, 2018. So definitely keep an eye out for that band if you like post-hardcore indie bands. And then Little Image has a massive announcement to make um, either later this year or beginning of 2018. We just finished up their campaign for their newest album uh, in August. It was released at the beginning. It's fantastic. I highly recommend checking out that band if you like just spacey, indie, emo-y. They're just fantastic musicians. So I back uh... that band. Big things coming for that band, Absolutely. For sure. um, yeah, a little shameless, but big things coming, so I think it's warranted. Tyler. No sweat. I, think, I, I think ain't working okay. with any of either um, those bands anymore. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, our next question comes in from listener Blaine M. Uh, Blaine writes in, Hey, note to scene. Love the podcast. Here's my question. What are your thoughts on the rise of instrumental bands within the scene? Bands like Polyphia and Chan are jumping on big tours and are backed by notable labels. Do you think this is just a phase of the scene that will inevitably die? Or will the instrumental scene live on? What are some tips you'd give to similar instrumental bands? Sincerely, a Chan homie. So, um... <laughs> I'm not going to address this one. I got no comment here because, like, I don't want to oh encourage this kind of behavior from y'all. You know, I was trying to, like, keep Chan 
off the podcast for as long as I could, but the groundswell of just Chan support kept hitting us, and I had to finally give in. And uh, here we are talking about Chan. So uh, I don't think there's going to be like some revolution <laughs> or explosion here with this. For, first off, I, it's not my thing. Okay, shame but on you, Matt. Shame, shame on, on you. you. Shame on all you Chan heads. You come at me. I know. Shame on me, but. I don't think there's going to be like a big revolution. I don't think I think it's just this is a niche that has kind of always existed. And I think it always will exist. And there are just certain people who like it. And I think it's cool for them. It's it's just this niche to the side that has always been there. I mean, you go back to bands like Explosions in the Sky and stuff like that. Like there's Uh just there's always going to be that demand. It's just it's always kind of been at a certain scale. It's never really blown up. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think we're in any kind of particular revolution right now, I guess is what I'm saying. This seems to be business as usual. What do you think, Tyler Sharp? I'll definitely agree that it's a niche little community, but these bands are certainly growing and they're growing from what they used to be. Like I have rode for Chan since day one, practically, (laughs) and I highly recommend the new album, homie. It's it's so great. It sold 8,900 first week, which, to put that into perspective, they outsold Emir, fucking Tonight Alive, Touche Amore, bands like that throughout the last two years. And it's funny because it felt... This this instrumental kind of wave kind of felt a bit trendy in 2013 when Polyphia and Chan were just starting to get hype. They It felt like they were kind of following animals as leaders, but they were doing it in their own way. Like, Chan is very vibey and it's kind of happy and it's kind of it's not heavy necessarily mm-hmm. although they can't get progressive at some points whereas polyphia started off kind of more in the metal world but they just released a song earlier this year called lit which is basically just a bieber song with crazy guitar solos all over it so four years later both of these bands are the biggest they've ever been and it doesn't feel dis- disingenuous like mm-hmm. they they've kept putting out innovative new music that they're growing artistically and then that is translating into size growth so i'm really i also think both of these bands right now i think they have a high retention rate with fans these type of bands i think there's low turnover there i think when you're become a fan of one of these bands you tend to be for like 10 years minimum you're definitely really stick around yeah Yeah. for sure there's not a lot of highs and lows where you could get shooken off or lost as a fan. You know, you're just you're you're sort of with the band through the journey. It just feels so good to me to see Chan and Polyphia have mm-hmm. have the success that they're having right now because it did feel a little trendy in in 2013. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Equal Vision just signed a brand new uh, instrumental band earlier this year, and they have no hype because they're more of the e- uh, explosions in the sky post rock sound. These, these mm. bands are not post rock by any means. Right. Post rock can feel very. I loved the Tides of Man instrumental album, but mm-hmm. it, it can get lost. These songs, I did not. I just want to say that <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was great. I know we we ride for Tillian in this house, but <laughs> this is House of Tillian. Over here. <laughs> but I love that album. But it's easy to get very lost in post-rock because there's not a lot of differential from song to song, I would say. But there's something special about Sean and these bands that are instrumental yet innovative. So I ride for it. I back it. I'm all about it. I have never not gotten anything as much as I don't get this. But I am happy that 
all you fucking Chan heads out there having a good time. I'm happy the band. Look, I, everybody's got to eat. I'm happy the band are selling records and having success. I just think like maybe all of you need to be like you all need to like live in your own special communities or something like need to set up <laughs> neighborhoods for Chan heads or something because I don't I, I don't get it. Come on, but, man, uh, we got to support the scene in 2017. Absolutely. Whatever's hey, man, happening, dude, we got to. Whatever's go. ha- we'll take. We I agree. We will take what we can get. Um, not a listener question, but one of our OG listeners, uh, Lucy, tweeted at me that uh, Not A Surf did a cover of Brand News, Can't Get It Out, and it was really good. You should check it out. Nice. Like I it. haven't heard that yet. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, okay, but let's move on to our main story of the week, which is Brand New. Brand New hinted once again that they are breaking up in 2018. Um, Jesse was on stage. And I believe the quote, Tyler, was, we're going to be a band for about 14 more months. And it's interesting that this story broke this week because the more the further back I dug, he's been saying this at multiple dates so far on their tour right now. Okay. So this isn't necessarily anything new. It's just gotten the most traction that it's gotten this week. And the yeah. brand new community, it feels... this. So wound- he's been... You're- He's been saying it on this current tour. Yeah, just like, kind of nonchalantly. This is the first date. This is the first date they picked it up. Yeah, the, 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 like, me- okay. the media picked it up. But they've played okay. quite a few shows, and he said it before. I saw a tweet dating back to October 16th. Because, I mean, I even remember him a fucking, like, two years ago saying, well, you know, we're not going to be a band much longer on stage. He's kind of been, he's been doing this so for a while. So that's kind of where we have to go with it. Back when you and I were both at Alternative Press, we were running stories over Jesse being on stage. You know, the very first one happened in uh, 2015. Uh, it was in the second half of the year. I can't remember exactly when, but he was on stage, and he started crying. And... You could tell it was getting to him, but he said that they weren't going to be a band much longer. And we didn't know what that meant, but it just basically confirmed Brand New's eventual end and that they had thought about it. And it felt real, like it hurt. It stings when you have to think about that. And I think that's why this getting brought into the light now feels so raw. Because even though we've had countless instances of Brand New's breakup being brought to our attention throughout the last two years this is the first time we've gotten it since the release of science fiction before we go any further i think we should kind of like clarify it and get get it out there do you think tyler do you actually believe they're going to break up so that's the question and i do okay so i am on kind of the opposite end of the spectrum i don't and i just want to point out i think but i am inclined to think they might you know i don't but it's not a hard i don't you know what i mean it it, this band Everything is murky with Brandy. Mm-hmm. You never know truly one way or the other. But I, I want to point out, go back, just go back a little bit. I think it's interesting this is happening the same week. Science fiction re-entered the top 10 on <laughs> Billboard and sold 30,000 fucking copies of vinyl. That's pretty crazy, you know, because, um, you know, we were all impressed. They sold, what, 56,000 copies first week when Sci-Fi dropped mm-hmm. and um, got the number one album. So these vinyls, you know were ordered at that time they just didn't ship until october now so you can essentially say brand new had an 80 to ninety thousand opening first week which that basically makes them one of the biggest indie rock bands out there they outsold queens of the stone age they outsold lcd sound system this year they outsold the national they outsold they outsold fucking paramore you know who are an indie rock band now that's a whole different discussion though you know Mm -hmm. we can have they only really didn't 
outsell Arcade Fire. That's like the only indie rock band who beat them in sales. So it's very interesting. And if you add 35 to 55, it puts them close to Arcade Fire because I think Arcade right. Fire They're did close, 94. Yeah. But I I'm think not... Arcade Fire can play bigger shows at this point legitimately. Like that's not up for question. So I, I, but there's a case to be made. You could slot brand new in as at a moment when they're saying they're going to end their band they could potentially be the second biggest indie rock band out there right now. I'm not as sold as you are on what these sales specifically mean. We So listeners, to put this, just to be 100% clear, we don't know for sure that it was vinyl that sold all this week. We don't know how much vinyl was included in the first week sales. If you just look at it on paper, it would make sense that all the vinyl just got counted this past week because it just shipped, but it just seems very odd to me that there wasn't at least some vinyl included in the first week. But moving forward, the point is, brand new are at a are still at a very substantial point in their career. You could there's a case to be made. I mean, this is their biggest first week sales ever. Right. Absolutely, and this, this is their the first number one it, album. It, it, the biggest they've ever been as a band, and right. it, it's interesting that dichotomy the same week. We're not going to be much. We're not going to be a band much longer. Jesse Lacey says on stage. I mean, they know what they're doing. Brand new always knows what they're doing. They're the most strategic band at this sort of stuff. So it's just continuing to push that narrative. And the fact that they're not going back on it is what makes me. It, it cements it for me even more. They've made the so, T-shirt. They they right. they put 2000 to 2018 up on their live displays at their shows. Like. This is something that's being cemented into fans' brains. So I got to say, I mean, it would be a baller way to go out. Science fiction was so good. It's probably my second favorite brand new album of all time. You know, it was competing with Devil and God for me. I, it, it, it would be the best possible high note for them to go out on, I think, if they chose to do this. It would make brand new burn out and not fade away. Absolutely. I mean, it's the, the literal definition of burning out. And um, they would go down as legends if they did it. But you know, is that is that kind of cowardly to you? You know, Not like, is it, it you don't think like, I mean, what else you got? Like, you know, like, it just no. feels kind of it feels kind of safe to me. Oh, we did this good thing. It worked out good. Let's play it safe now and let's keep the legacy nice. Like, I kind of would I might respect it more if they were willing to take a risk, which we'll talk about in a minute. But, you know, science fiction itself was a risk they took. For sure. But the first time we got the concept of 2018 and the band ending was when they started sending out the infamous Devil and God lyric books in 2015. The, and that story broke the day they played Meanie for the first time. So we didn't even know science fiction was going to happen or that it was going to be good at the point when they started pushing the... 2018 end right so at, at that point i think it's worth pointing out i don't think they even knew oh not what at all. was gonna ha- i don't th- i think they were still building the studio and shit like i don't even think they knew what the plan was for the record if it was they were even there were there were talks of just random kind of scattered songs like i don't think science fiction was even realized at that point even they didn't know which makes it feel makes 2018 makes a 2018 breakup feel more genuine to me like this has been part of the plan all along this is they're gonna stay 18 forever that's what brand new is but um things i don't like about it, it it's been too vague 
you know, we haven't gotten the sure we haven't got the breaking official. up. We we haven't gotten the we're breaking up in 2018 statement. Um, yeah, it's been a lot of this. We're not going to be a band anymore, which you could take that to mean after 14 months, maybe they're going to take a break. I personally could see brand new saying we're not going to be a band anymore. Play their last show. We all assume they're broken up. And then four years later, Brand New drops a surprise album when we all thought they were broken up. And it's the most baller fucking biggest deal in the world on the Internet. And it's something no band has ever done before. You know, it it would be the coolest thing. I could see that as a potential move for them here. See, that would feel cowardly to me. That would feel. I, I don't think so, man. I think you would be blown. I mean, if the music was good, you'd be blown away. I'd be. I'd be just as excited about it if it was, you know, if it was like another science fiction release. But when bands come at come back. But I mean, not come back, but like the brand new. No, no word of coming back. It's just all of a sudden an album's there from a band you thought were dead. You know what I mean? I think it would be a new experience. We haven't had as fans yet from a band and brand new going away. Will will lead to everyone speculating about whether or not they're going to come back because that's all it's going to. The second they quote break up, that's all everyone's going to be talking about. Are they going to come back? Are they going to come back? Are they going to come back? And they'll have an opportunity to deliver an album in a way we've never had an album delivered. And I find that kind of fascinating, sort of position for them to be in as a band. I just think Jesse Lacey is if if he says brand new are done, they're done forever. And this is just part of the brand new story. This is where it ends. And I just think that they wouldn't build this up if they weren't going to go, go through with it. It just makes sense. Like this is the perfect brand new move to me. Get your first number one album, just absolute decimate in sales, own it, play these crazy shows, do one more tour in 2018, which has been confirmed. And then that's it. It just makes sense. And I, I don't want brand new to fade out. That, like we were saying earlier, I feel like if they did do something in the future and they came back, it would it would almost taint their legacy. It's true. It's risky. It is risky. You may fade out if you try to keep keep going. But I just this feels too self mythologizing to me to go out that way. I, I just don't know if I like it as a move for the band. I mean, it, it, it just might feel safe to me. I mean, what's Jesse Lacey going to do after this band? Join the goth boy clique? Like... <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> like, he's gonna yo, raise shot, his shot, kid, man. He's gonna shot, he's gonna be a dad. To, uh, that's the wicked phase, man. When are you gonna let nothing shot nowhere on the click? Come on. <laughs> this conversation is going in a completely different direction. I mean, um, hey, I, I see it. Um, no, not at all. But uh, okay, so all right, I gotta point out. So, 14 months from now would be December of 2018, right? Right. Which, if they broke up. At that date, they would the band started in 2000. They would officially be 18 forever. And to go along further with that theory of the band wanting to be 18 forever, they have been encoring all of their sets with Soko Amaretto Lime with it's... the 18 Forever chorus, which is, I mean, that has to be deliberate because that's not an encore song. I mean, it's a it's right. a it's a fan favorite for sure, but I wouldn't call it a hit. You know, right. if you were to, it's not a 70 times seven. It's not a sick transit Gloria. It's not a Jesus Christ. It's a fan favorite. It's it's not an encore song and they are encoring with it. And that's very deliberate. I think it just makes sense to break up in 2018. <laughs> I, I, I can't think of a thing. Nothing in the music <laughs> industry makes sense. If you take anything mm-hmm. away from this, from listening to note to scene, you, you know that nothing in the industry makes sense. This 
makes sense for brand new to break up in 2018. Like this flame is supposed to go out then because we just we were at the top of their game. They should break up. That's brand new. That's I I think that's that's a total brand new move. Oh, it's just just, pull the ultimatum. Just why don't you just build a fucking marble temple while you're at it? It's so it's so legacy building, and it's just I just don't know if it's the right move for them because. They're at the top of their game, and they might... What if they have more incredible art to give us? My thing is it's that... It's risky, yeah. Maybe it's not as good. But what if they come back with, you know, another devil and god? They might be able to do it. My thing is that we waited so long for science fiction, and it was... Eight years. We, we were at a point... Shouts to each of those years. <laughs> Shouts to each of those years. Each one. of Each one. Yep. Each one was its own pain. Absolutely. There was a point around 2015, 2016, where it was starting to look like, okay, maybe brand new aren't going to deliver the way we think they're going to deliver on this last album. And I think Mm -hmm. they pulled science fiction out of their asses, because I don't think even Jesse thought that they were going to write an album that good. And that's kind of one of my points, is this has all been planned long before they've had the success that they've had. And this type of success, getting your first number one album, universal critical praise, universal fan praise, this is the type of thing that can change minds. You know what I mean? If anything is going to change Jesse's mind, it it would be something like this. You know, the response that science fiction has gotten. And if there's one band in the music industry that isn't about the commercial performance of their music, it's brand new. I, maybe so not just my commercial, point. but just the general embrace. It's They've just been embraced in a way that we've never seen Brand New embraced before. And and the thing about Brand New, too, is they just this is the band that does whatever the fuck they want. They can say That's they're breaking up. They can say they're breaking up, and they can come back in a month. We don't know. You never know with Brand New. That is true, but I just don't see Jesse doing it. I Jesse is a stubborn ass. <clears throat> who is just like one of the most incredible musicians the scene will ever see. But when he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. I think back to um, My Chemical Romance, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the comparison I drop. You know, with Danger Days, My Chem, you know, they shot their shot and they missed, right? They mm-hmm. missed heart that album, right? I mean, Black Parade did 260,000 first week. That one did like, what, one ten thousand first week, you right know? There. Didn't, yeah. even, didn't even go gold. Complete commercial failure, right? MCR shot their shot and they missed. And w- when you're abandoned that situation where you have shot your shot and missed, you if you go any further, you risk damaging the legacy. And I think MCR, they chose the safe option there. They said, okay, rather than risk putting out another album, we're going to keep the legacy and the integrity and the marketability of this band intact by not making any more music because Danger Days was such a miss. Even though I love Danger Days, that's actually my favorite MCR album. Do not at me. Whoa, but, um, hot take. Yeah, don't it at is, me. It but, is um, hot in here, man. <laughs> I think they were ahead of their time. Um, wow. So I see brand new in a similar situation to that. Whereas like they shot their shot with Daisy and they missed hard. And they could have just at that point went away and kept the legacy intact. But instead, they chose to take a risk. And they came back with science fiction. And I think have repaired any damage Daisy did and have only grown as a band. And I just, I just, to me, that just seems like a much cooler move than what MCR did. So I just, I don't know about the going away thing. Although I see a lot of evidence pointing towards it, you know? 
I mean, we got t-shirts, Holmes. Let's just say, in retrospect, Daisy is regarded as a much better album by the general music community than Danger Days is, right? Am I right on that? Uh, the, uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say that for sure. Um, I think smaller Daisy, group of people, but yeah. Sure, but, um, I think Daisy at the is time, Daisy like a was, fine wine. Yeah, yeah, but at the time, Daisy was a big failure. It didn't take the band where they needed to go, sure. you know? Sure, yeah. I mean, that was both... The, the response to Danger Days and Daisy was pretty similar, although yeah. MCR's but, fan base wasn't as aggressive. Yeah. So I just think it's time. It's not fair, though, man. Uh, TBS should not fair. outlet Brand. Should not out. Taking Back Sunday should not Taking Back. Brand. Let's it, just say Taking Back Sunday died years I mean, ago. There's the definition of fading away, right? And that band is just going to keep, keep plugging fading. them out. <laughs> yeah, you know, like. It's just not fair. You know, the whole war. It's interesting to look at those two bands, too, because, like, Taking Back Sunday sold more records than Brand New, had bigger hits than Brand New, but kind of just kept pushing themselves into a weaker and weaker position where eventually Brand New became the bigger band. You know, at their height, Taking Back Sunday were on the radio. They had way bigger hits than Brand New ever had. You know, Decade Under the Influence, Liar. Those were top 40 songs. You know what I mean? And um, they were playing huge shows, but Brand New just kind of kept making quality music and keeping their distance from the mainstream and sort of emerged victorious over Taking Back Sunday if we're going back to that Long Island feud. It just it doesn't feel right that Taking Back Sunday are still going to be around <laughs> and brand new are going to be gone. I mean, Taking Back Sunday is the, the perfect case <laughs> for saying you have to put out quality music if you want to maintain y- your level of just stature as a band. Because it's it's ridiculous how much that band has fallen into irrelevancy the if you go to a taking back sunday show and they play their new songs that audience doesn't even want to be there but if they play anything from 2006 and before that place is absolutely insane (coughs) so brand new won. they all they won years ago there's no feud anymore because Mm -hmm. brand new destroyed taking back sunday oh yeah it's not even like a competition they did win i think we can officially they were winning at one point it looked like tbs were winning you know sure, in, the, in, in the mid 2000s yeah but as time has shown brand new has definitely won it just it doesn't feel right to me but we got to move on Tyler Sharp. all right um we gotta talk about our next story which is asking alexandria who released this their second single where did it go from their upcoming self-titled album this follows the lead single into the fire which rips and is still climbing rock radio tyler <laughs> Um, did you have a chance to hear where did it go, Tyler? And what did you think of it? I did. And it is much, much better than Into the Fire. My question is, is Danny Warsnop rapping on this song, <laughs> Matt Crane? I need you to answer that question for me real quick. Okay, is Danny so rapping? I had trouble with this because um, I'm like, all right, this is either emo rap or this is like, <laughs> Ed Sheeran going gothy and edgy. I, 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 I really didn't, I didn't care for Danny's rapping on this song. Okay, so by, I'm going to break this down a bit. By definition, SoundCloud rap is sing rapping. That's, mm-hmm. Technically, that is what Danny's doing here. But he can actually sing, so it sounds different. 
most of those SoundCloud rappers can't actually sing, and they're so buried in auto-tune and layers and layers of vocal tracks that you can't really tell what they're doing, which is why it hey sounds so obscure. Hey, man, leave Uzi alone. Leave Uzi alone. I'm just, I'm just telling it like it is, man. I'm just telling it like it is. Peep, Uzi, Pump, doesn't matter. Hey, man, Peep has the voice of an angel. You shut the fuck up. I'm just, I'm just out here dropping truth bombs, man. Danny makes it feel vicious because the song instrumentally it's just not that aggressive but he calls out the entire scene in this like kanye west level narcissist fit of rage and which you gotta say feels he's giving himself a lot of credit sure he doesn't deserve any of it that's for sure (laughs) but just the way that he delivers it do you think kanye deserves what he says about himself you shouldn't be asking this to the biggest kind of fan <laughs> so let's just skip that question we never talk about that yeah right let's skip that question because you shouldn't ask that one to me so um, that danny certainly doesn't deserve this kind of mm-hmm. self-reward that he gives himself in this song but mm-hmm. it makes this song fe- it, it made me feel something okay. it made me feel something a whole lot more than into the fire did into the fire so, felt like a cop out so do you like this song yes what's your score i'm at a 7.8 out of 10 Ooh, the heat that's a heater that's it's like coming. a i genuinely enjoy this song like musically there's nothing really to write home about mm-hmm. but like you listen to this song before you play like in high school if you're playing like a baseball game or a football game Friday night. Like this is the song you listen to in the locker room. Yeah, I um I didn't like this as much as the lead single. I still prefer Into the Fire. The Ooh. rapping thing just I the Ed Sheeran vibes were a little too heavy for me. I, I don't know if that's to, just the British you thing. Need to block you know? that out, man, because that is that's not just the accurate. British thing. But he, it was there was some Ed Sheeran. Uh, it just it, it was tough for me to get over. And it, this kind of just almost. When you add the fact of all the call outs, you know, he's saying bands are copying him and he's ahead of the curve. This is just fucking asking Alexandria's Ronnie Radke's alone. That's all this song really is when you oh, think about it. Yeah, the on, rapping, yeah, the call outs. This is what they're doing. At least this um, song makes sense lyrically. Alone okay, doesn't make sense that, at all. Better rhymes. Better rhymes. <laughs> you know, Danny has much better rhymes than Radke. We will give him that. I will give him that. <laughs> Thank you. We're not we're not rhyming uh, tweets with uh say to me yeah however the fuck when he pulled that off okay so i don't like um i do like when he when the raps towards the end of the verses when he kind of scream raps and raises his voice that's when i that's what i like it it, it, it heats up a little i like that right i don't like this chorus there's there's you i know i know you heard there's a bad there's a bad mix in that chorus there's something wrong there something's off it's a little too flat i don't know if you picked up on that I didn't, and I've listened to this song quite a lot, and I'm pretty picky okay. about my mixes, as we'll talk about There's, an album later in the episode. But uh, I could have very well, maybe I'm misperceiving, maybe you missed it, it could be either way, we'll have to talk about it another time, but I've found something wrong in that in that chorus, you don't as think, far as mixing goes. You don't think it's catchy at all? I think it is it, there's there is a catchiness there. that's a yeah. pop melody he just stole it's, that there's just something wrong with it the math is wrong tyler no, no just <laughs> shut the fuck up man shut um, the fuck okay. up all right as we said danny is giving himself a lot of credit in this song i think we got to fact check him real quick okay so he does this cool rap which is my favorite part of the song where he shouts all of um asking's albums the you know he verse. says the yeah first one 
and he says, which is stand up and scream. He says, eight, you know, um, he calls it the triple gold one. And <laughs> the every band on summer tours, a.k.a. Warp Tour, stole one. Is it a triple gold album, Tyler Sharp? I uh, don't know whether or not, but is, I would say no. Okay. Gold in the UK is 100,000 units. I think maybe if they're lucky, it went gold one time in the UK. It definitely did not go triple gold in the UK. Okay. Um, so we got to say uh, that is a negative there. That's wrong. Okay, now the other thing he says about Stand Up and Scream. Stole by every band on summer tours, a.k.a. Warped Tour. One. I think that's true. I think Danny's Absolutely. right here. I think a lot of bands copped that Stand Up and Scream style. You can't deny it. I think he's right there. Absolutely. I mean, that that and Attack Attack Someday Came Subtly were the beginning of generic core. Okay. <laughs> generic. Yeah. Okay. All right. So Danny is uh, he is uh, one and one right now as far as truths. And- <laughs> okay. All right. The second, he says the second one, a.k.a. Reckless and Relentless. He calls that the knock the pop stars off the charts one. And I think that is true. That was a massive uh, debut. For, for the scene that was one of those first like around 2012 ish when we saw scene bands start popping into the top 20 like sleeping and pierce and stuff and they they broke into the i think the top 10 with that one and they sold over 30,000 copies first week yep so i think he knocked some pop stars off the charts with that one will we give him <laughs> that one is that true yeah absolutely then he says the third one aka destiny the fuck the world one <laughs> the quote arenas singing every word one i'm gonna say false i don't see any arenas singing every word of destiny how about you t sharp he loves that album let him let him love that album it's okay that nobody else does are arenas singing every word no okay that's false <laughs> you just oh i have something to say to you after you're done with the with the next two Okay. Um, what, what are the next two? I, I know the next one is the... Uh, he needed some space uh, one. Yeah, the, he needed some space one. That's the Black Album. I right? wish he really would have went after Dennis with this one. You, you think he should have went, went in harder on Dennis? Oh, he barely touches him. He could have went yeah. so much harder in on Dennis. He raised him with, I think, you know, the, the you've been baiting my every breath for 10 years. Remar- I think that's, right. like, that's kind of... But yeah, he could have he could have ripped Dennis to shreds here. But is Dennis even worth ripping to shreds? I guess I mean, <laughs> he's taking that position. Like I'm just so big. Um, I am at a six out of ten on the song Tyler Sharp. Wow. See this song to me, I, I you know I looked at the lyrics and I broke it down in my head just like you did. That's not the point of this song. It's so obnoxious that you just take it for what it is. Obviously, mm-hmm. Danny's talking out of his ass. This is mm-hmm. a, this is his way. This is his, you know, personification yeah, so that, of Kanye West and Jared Leto. And that's what I liked about it. I had fun going through. Exactly. I like that he's shouting out old albums. I like that he's calling out scene band. That that's that's what is uh ultimately that's what I like about the song. It's the Good. Sonics that are. Ah, oh, see, I think the Sonics are there, but it's Danny's voice that makes the song. Okay. Any other thoughts on asking Tyler? I'm actually excited for this self-titled album, man. And we're Finally. getting it this year. Welcome, welcome to the train. Welcome, welcome. to the train. Welcome I was, aboard. I was okay, next stop, next stop, uh, next stop, self-titled. Our next story is The Used, who have released their seventh <laughs> studio album, The Canyon. Shouts to Justin from Seosin for replacing Quinn in this band. Just, <laughs> just want to throw that out there. Um, pretty cool. So this was produced... <laughs> Hold your laughter, Tyler. This was produced by Ross Robinson. This big guy. 
you think Corn, mm-hmm. Limp Bizkit, At the Drive-In, Slipknot, Glassjaw, who I've been told are important, but, uh, you know, the jury's out on that one. They okay, are. They are. Norma Jean, and uh, what gets me the most excited is he produced from first to last uh, Heroin, which is such a weird and strange record, and mm-hmm. I like it. There is a lot wrong with this album, but <laughs> but the biggest issue, here, here's what it boils down to. It's the idea that like the vulnerable thematics of this and other albums, such as the Julian Baker album that came out on Friday, can make an album good. I think there's something very wrong with that. Just because something thematically is vulnerable, if the, if the overall sonics and the instrumentals and the production value of the album is garbage, like this one, I don't think we should praise it. What I'll do is I'll compare it to presenting content on the internet in 2017 and the past like four years. For example, like you could write the best op-ed ever, but if you don't present it in the right the correct way on social media i.e good headline and header image no one will read it and if no one reads it does it even matter it's like mm-hmm. a tree falling in a forest if no one's around to hear it that's kind of what this album comes down to this is probably the used most vulnerable album personally for bert like he just mm-hmm. he hard on sleeve the entire album and it's deep but instrumental instrumentally structurally and production-wise, it's one of their worst. And I think it is their worst. That will keep people away from being able to access how passionate this album really is. Altogether, it's a bad Wolf Mother album. <laughs> I agree with you. It's their. I, I think it is their worst album, instrumentally. The music musicality of it is just, it's atrocious. And he is wearing his heart on his sleeve throughout this whole album, and it is extremely vulnerable. vulnerable but part of me almost felt like it was a, a desperation move like i don't know if it was like we don't have much left so let's just throw everything burton has at the wall and um it just kind of just kind of doesn't come out right everything just kind of felt weird about this album like For dude sure. bird bird has been burton it up in the press have you read any of the <laughs> interviews he's done so maria maria interviewed him for billboard mm-hmm. and keep in mind this is the second question she asked him in the interview she maria asked him was there ever a point after quinn's departure that made you worried about the future of the band (laughs) bert bert responds even in the depths of my suicidal alcoholism there was never an end to the band like (laughs) way to set the mood bert like you don't lead a, a sentence you know with somebody you've recently met with suicidal alcoholism so that, that that's just kind of where Bert is at. And he is just so just like burning it up in the press right now. Um, he says uh, David Foster Wallace's infinite jest was a huge inspiration inspiration for this record. And that's a quote. So for all of our liter- literary listeners out there who are really intellectual, I, they are rolling their eyes into the back of their skull right now. After that <laughs> I think he's being genuine on the album. I think... He genuinely hurts. He's obviously playing the press cycle like Mm -hmm. any experienced musician does. But I do think he's being genuine. The problem is that musically, it's just atrocious. You know, they went for a raw production value and it's all over the fucking place. It's unlistenable at some points. And I don't think you can praise this album just because Bert is putting his heart on his sleeve. Mm -hmm. And it is getting 
a lot of praise. We should point that out. Um, but going a little further back, so the he talks a lot about his girlfriend Kate, who died of suicide when she was pregnant with his child on this album. And I thought that was a lyrically a particularly interesting angle. Um, and the song about you is about Bert hooking up with his friend, who I believe is a man, while Kate is asleep in the same room. So that I mean, this is kind of showing you this window that Bert is giving to you into his life on this album. Pretty vulnerable. Absolutely. And like I said, it's probably the most vulnerable used album there is. But He's putting it all the, out there. At the same time, 17 fucking tracks, man. 17 fucking tracks. Of just poorly produced, poorly written songs. There's no way you can defend this album. You can't use his vulnerability as a way to defend it. Part of that, you know, the production issue is this was recorded on tape. They wanted to go for that classic right. rock it vibe you purpose. get from not doing it digital. But it just kind of doesn't work with the use. But it, I got to say, like, I like I like the ambition. I, I think the monologues, I just think that's insane and cool. And the ambition of this album is actually really cool when you look at it in the in a vacuum. It's like this sort of Western epic take on the used, but it, it all just sort of implodes on itself on itself spectacularly. It, it, the ambition it just gets crushed under the weight of its own ambition. It do, it doesn't it doesn't get to its journey over the mountains where they're trying to go. I don't like that cover art too, by the way. How do you add a guitarist from Seosin? You, you're <laughs> combining two minds of two of the greatest post-hardcore bands from the 2000s, and you get just a absolute garbage pile of shitty rock songs. Right. How was this allowed to happen? <laughs> okay, what's your, what's your score for the album, Tyler? I'm at a four. I'm at a four as, out of ten as well. All right, we got to do first week sales predictions now. <laughs> okay, so self-titled. Uh, went gold in 2002. Uh, Love and Death did 93,000 first week and went gold in 2004. Lies did 92,000 first week in 07. It was uh, handedly beaten by Maroon 5 that year for the number one spot, just worth pointing out. Artwork did 35,000 first week in 2009. Vulnerable did 32,000 first week in 2012. And Imaginary Enemy did 17.6K in 2014. The Canyon. What are we doing first week, Tyler? 10,000. Okay. I am at 12,000. It, it has to decrease. <laughs> and, and like, and obviously, ha I mean, they've been, the trend would suggest such. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's just a weather how severe the decrease is. I think 12, but I could see a world where we do like eight or seven. But they use, they just have a certain resilience in their fan base that they kind of show out at the right moment. And, I, um, I do feel like I might be undershooting it at 10K just because of the use legacy and the fan base that they've garnered over the last 15 years. But when you look, at, you look at Vulnerable, 32,000 to Imaginary Enemy, 70,000, that's cut in half. Right, you know? right. So, I mean, we could, in theory, along that, that trend, say this should do um like 9000 it's just but, in my uh, head i can't see 10000 people buying this album so you're at 10 i'm at 12 all right we'll see let's, next week man all right let's move on to our next story which is lincoln lincoln park who did a tribute show for the late singer chester bennington at the hollywood bowl tyler and i watched this live stream together you know 
it was funny because we were like planning what we were gonna do for note to scene and tyler was like yo this uh this live stream is about to go down i was like really we didn't miss it yet and so we just kind of put it on it was actually well it was an experience um <laughs> so there's lots to talk about here but the first thing i've written down in my notes is just the badness of it and uh, critiquing this show is in no way insulting of chester you know tyler and i did a whole tribute episode to chester we love him he's you know one of our favorite musicians and you can go back and listen to that but just we have we had some issues with this show and the way it was it was carried out um absolutely yeah for me like the set list and the structure of it was a little suspect like there were just there were some issues there for me how about you tyler totally and the overall vibe, especially when it was over and I looked back, because we, Matt and I, don't live near each other, um, and we were on a phone call throughout this entire thing. This show was almost four hours long. It was long. It felt, watching it, it felt like there were more misses than there were hits. Yeah, I felt like um, they went too early with Shadow of a Day, and like you said, there, like there were just too many deep cuts in the beginning, and it kind of threw the whole vibe off. And it was kind of a bummer to see, especially mm-hmm. some of these guests, yeah. ones that weren't announced. And yeah. as I'm sure we'll get into, were unfortunately not there for necessarily the right reasons. Yeah, there and there was there were there were some things with the guests, and um, some guests were used well, some weren't. And I think we I kind of want to go through these. I want to do the winners and losers. I think of the guests of this night, um, Tyler. So disagree with me, agree with me, whatever you think. Um, Sounds good. I want to start with a loser, Alanis Morissette. Alanis Morissette <laughs> uh, covered a song poorly, I thought, and then used this show as an opportunity to promote one of her new singles, which I couldn't believe. I mean, at one point we were listening to Alanis Morissette playing one of her songs. My jaw dropped when she said that <laughs> like, she was going to do one of her own songs. And her excuse was that Chester had heard the demo and loved it. Bullshit. I mean, this is who a, knows, you know, who knows? This is, a, this is not the place for that. No, you do not dip, sample your new material at a Chester Bennington tribute show. This is a classic music industry. Okay, I'll do it if you let me. Right. You know, eye for shit. an eye. Okay. Um, winner. I liked seeing our girl Sydney from Echo Smith out there. I thought, you know, she can really sing good. She's got pipes, and I thought she did a good job. Why was she there? <laughs> She's on the same label as Linkin Park. That's what we're getting to here. She has, there's new music coming out. Echo Smith mm-hmm. have activity right now. There's no they, reason Echo Smith should ever be in any lane that Linkin Park is in. So Sydney is in your loser category. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Um, loser. Ali Sykes. Wow. Um, this is a controversial one, okay? Hot take, hot take. Ali Sykes doing crawling and lip syncing it the entire fucking time, which I am okay with, but at this point, at this this important of an event, I expect more from Ali. And it, I would have kept him in the winner's category, but he went on to tweet and blame Linkin Park's crew for it. We all know Ali lip syncs. It's, it's, it, it, it's not a hidden thing anymore. Just own it. I thought blaming Linkin Park's crew and the sound and everything for it after the show was just ridiculous and just a bad move. And I just expect more from Ali. It was such a monumental and important moment. And um, I thought he really blew it with that. My thing is that we talked about the backtracks on the show. It was going to be heavy. And the fact that there were going to be recorded versions of Ali singing along to a Linkin Park song, which 
any listeners out there, if you got some insider info, you want to send those over to note to scene at gmail.com. Send those backtracks, please. We knew this was going to happen. And I watched some other fan videos that weren't on the official live stream. His mic was still on and he was, it it was basically like a SoundCloud rap show where the entire song just plays in the background and they just kind of join in in the parts where they want to join in. And that's what a Bring Me the Horizon show is. So I expected this. I did, I I will totally agree with you. I think the tweet was pretty uncalled for. I just think it's very not, not classy at all. I would rather him do that than just go up there and absolutely suck. I, w- I was glad that it wasn't a shit show when he walked up there. Yeah, and I, and I was fine with that too. You know, we knew he was going to lip sync. I just, I don't like, I just, this is the one time to not tweet, you know, Ollie, and keep your fucking mouth shut. And it's, <laughs> I think we're, we're starting to have a rock star problem here. I don't know. This is not the type of show you call out. You know what I mean? This isn't Absolutely. fucking, Absolutely. this isn't Coachella. You know what I mean? This is a tribute. It's not about you, Ollie, and but, your whatever whatever technical problems you had. It's not about you. And this isn't an excuse for Ali, but you and I know him. He called me out in 2016, like blatantly on Twitter, just because I wrote about how his music video was receiving backlash, you know? And he was just like, fuck AP. He's a baby. That's what all these scene bros are. And we know this from working with them behind the scenes. And that's not an excuse for them, but I expected it. Ali Sykes, winner or loser for you, Tyler? He's still in the winner category for me. Okay. All right. Winner, the audience. Um, They were having a great fucking time and knew all the words to all the deep cuts. New words to songs I had never even heard of. I was fucking impressed with the audience. I was expecting them to start singing along to that new song Mike was playing. (laughs) (laughs) I I just couldn't believe. You could tell these were the true fans that showed out. Like these were the true diehards. Because there were some, you and I like, and I've grown up with this band. You know, I have every record I listen to it. And you and I, there were songs that came on, and you were, you and I were like, "What is this, bro?" And right. the audience, meanwhile, is singing word for word the, the entire song. So I thought that was pretty incredible. Great audience. Uh, winner, Jeremy from A Day to Remember. <laughs> Surprise performance of Place for My Head. Absolutely, dude. Absolutely winner category. Deathcore Jeremy. He gave some growl in there that I don't even think he's ever growled as deep as he did on a Day to Remember song. Yeah. He gave, on on his last note, he gave a total hardcore pose, which we talked about when we were on the phone call. (laughs) But it's the most cliche pose in hardcore right now to do. It's kind of like a fist over your front leg straight down and he's bent all the way back. He absolutely did that move on purpose and I thought that was pretty hilarious. But even right beside Jeremy's performance, Mike shouting out Warp Tour. I thought that mm-hmm. was really cool. The only thing I will say that gets a mark down for me from Jeremy, he never showed up on stage at the mm-hmm. end, at least that I saw. Yeah, that, that that he did get a little marked down for me for that. But I, I still think, you know, he just came out and he absolutely crushed the song. And the it was a surprise and it was good and I liked it. Okay. Not really a winner. Okay, a loser for me is Julia Michaels. I, 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 you, you're a great songwriter, Julia, but you didn't need to be out there for heavy. Not that to me, that that should have been Kiara's moment. Who I'm giving the win to Kiara for just sounding great and looking awesome and doing what she was supposed to do, even though I felt like she was hindered by Julia Michaels. Like, absolutely, heavy is such a great song. Kiara is so great on it. That should have been your moment, where like you know you have the mic vacant for Chester's verse during that song and then kiara comes in and just slays the second verse you don't need julia michaels out there 
ruining it. I get it, Julia. You're a great songwriter. You've written, we owe you a lot. You've written a lot of hits, and now you've decided you want to be a pop star, and you want your fucking face in front of us at all times. But you're not a star. I'm sorry. Just get out and go home. It's not about you. I agree. It's def- It definitely was not her moment. Um, my question is, did she co-write that song at all? Oh, shit. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Um, she, she's a very good songwriter though so yeah it's possible she did uh, winner Derek Wibley doing Faint which I thought was actually pretty sick I thought he sounded good and it was just like all love you could tell it was all love in his performance absolutely They uh, Linkin Park and some go way back and I think Derek probably impersonated Chester the best out of anyone mm-hmm. throughout the mm-hmm. whole night like he those he was close no one sound no one can sound like chester he was just the rap right. the raspiness right the right seems on faint right he really nailed that song it was a yeah. very it was a perfect song for derek to do and he killed it and it's just really cool you know some's drummer came out and hung out behind the kit for a while it's probably the only time we'll ever see lincoln park perform with one half of some 41 i thought that was a really cool moment that people didn't really realize what was going on yeah definitely um winner i actually really enjoyed blink 182 doing i miss you and what i've done how about you tyler absolutely sounded great during i miss you they were spot on and i think mark pulled off chester's vocals pretty good in Mm -hmm. what i've done that's god it's such a difficult song to sing but he was trying he absolutely, you could tell, you could he, tell. Was he was giving it, he, he was, was giving, giving it as all. all. Yeah. And I like that. I like that we could see yeah. the effort being put forth by Mark in that song. So definite, definitely a winner for Blink-182. It was a good moment. And um, them doing I Miss You felt appropriate. Absolutely. You know? It's a Blink song, but it, 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 we miss you, Chester. It felt absolutely. appropriate. You know? And if Tom would have came out on stage and done the Where Are You verse, I, I would have cried. It was. It's yeah. just not the time. Not the time. I would have cried. I, w- I mean, okay. a lot of people would have, but it's not the time for that. Okay, winner. Uh, uh, Talinda Bennington for speaking up about mental sure. health. Yep, absolutely. Um, winner, Lincoln Park. I thought Han and Shinoda especially. Really fucking just great performances. Mike just sounded the like the record all night. Yeah. Every song was- sounded like the recorded version. Mike was killing it vocally, and you know Han on the tables was just crushing it. It was great. For sure. I thought the band sounded good. Absolutely. Um, quickly, some losers. M. Shadows, Ryan Key, <laughs> Jonathan Davis for looking lazy as fuck, John from Corn. Um, the girl we didn't know who she was, and the coffee shop bro. <laughs> <laughs> You're not even going to go out with Gavin Rossdale? Is that, was that his name? No, that was another dude. The coffee shop bro Oh, that was just was that guy else. who looked like he didn't belong up there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think he came okay. after Ryan Key. It was towards the beginning. M- where we... M. Shadows just M. Shadowed it the whole time, which was, come on, man. You know, I he know. just M. Shadowed it he the didn't whole time. Even, and... He didn't even try. But... Maybe I'm being a little too mean to Ryan Key. I don't know. I just, I just, I didn't like his performance. I just didn't think he should be there in the first place. Yeah. And Jonathan Davis just looked like he could have gave a shit. What's going on he with just, that beer gut, man? Oh, yeah. that, that gut, you gotta get a fucking corset or something. Like, you know, <laughs> look, like look like you care. It's right. You know, this is for Chester. Exactly. You know? Quick shouts to System of a Down. It was cool Absolutely. to see their twist put on a Lincoln Park song. Like when yeah, they came, when, when they had that moment. Ours. Yeah, yeah, when they had that moment, it was a total system moment in a Linkin Park song, which was really cool to hear. I will say, where the hell is Surge? Like, why wasn't he there? I don't know, but still a cool moment. 
Um, any other moments or thoughts you have, Tyler, that you want to point out from this show? I didn't like the idea of closing the whole thing out with Bleed It Out. I thought it was a little weird. I thought, especially with the lyric in there, find a new place to hang this noose, string me yeah. up from atop these roofs. And I mean, the Bleed It Out, I mean, people sometimes bleed when they hang themselves. It's just, it's... Uh, yeah, it didn't really yeah. make sense to me. I would have maybe even just omitted that song from the set list entirely. <laughs> right. Like, like they did with Breaking the Habit. You don't have to play those songs. Right. So there were, there were unfortunately, and, and a number of missteps. It's about, play, like, we, we go back to our early point about the set list just being off. Sometimes it's about placement. Like, I Absolutely. think you could have done Breaking the Habit. You just got to do it early. Sure. You got to open with Breaking the Habit and Numb. And I think you can get those songs out. You can get through the dark parts early and, and come out triumphantly with something like, you know, I really think they should have probably closed the show with heavy or, you know, because that was really mm-hmm. sending Chester's message of, you know, mental people with mental health issues need help. And I think that would have been a good way to close the show or close it with Shadow of a Day. You know, so, one of those yeah. songs, I think, probably or even one more light, you know, That's one of those I shows. Say. Right. Yeah. One of those songs should have closed it. And then you bring out Jay-Z to play Encore for the Encore, <laughs> right? I mean, that would have just been disgusting, right? Yep. But um, that didn't happen. Yeah, I was um, I was just a little confused by it and a little um, just kind of sad by how everything played out. But ultimately, I think fans took away from it what Mike wanted them to take away from it, what the band wanted them to take away from it. And... Before we get going, what did you think of the proposition of Lincoln Park continuing with Mike doing the new song, looking for an answer. I think it's absolutely a discussion that needs to be had. I think I saw it in his eyes that Mike has every intention of keeping this band going. I think so too. It's just how they do it is what's going to matter. I mean, who right. who who replaces Chester? I I think no one. I uh, think that's that what song I'm is a case to be made that it's Shinoda's band now. Exactly. You know? As long as he just doesn't turn it into a Fort Minor, I'm good with it. Maybe bring back Fort Minor too while you're at it, you know, <laughs> as a side project. We would mind that, right? Come on, man. Give the guy no? a break, man. No? Let, let him, let him focus. Right. Let him okay. focus. Okay. All right. We could do Fort Any Minor. Any other thoughts, Tyler? We could do Fort Minor 20 year anniversary. Well, that is it for the show this week, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy the show, please rate or review us on Apple Podcasts. Give us the, give us those five stars, and we will love you. You can email us at notescene at gmail.com if you have any questions. Thank you so much again for listening. We will see you next week.